Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Welcome Vinny. Welcome to the Road to Growth podcast. Uh, today we have uh, Jeff Gargas. Gargas? Did I say it right? Gargas. Yeah, spelled with an A, but said more like an E, like Gargas. Yeah. It gets said a whole bunch of different ways. <laughs> I'm okay I, I with usually that. Ask, I usually ask before the podcast going, <laughs> we have kind of an initial conversation about the last name. And this time we talked about some other stuff. And I was like, oh man, well, I'm just going to wing it. Let's see how this plays out. <laughs> all good. All good. Um, all right. So you're the uh, the COO and co-founder of Teach Better Team. Yep. And we're going we're gonna to get to that. I mean, you're kind of one-on-one training, one-on-one coaching and things like that. I think your story is a very interesting one, especially for people watching right now, that the sector that you're basically in of teaching is kind of something you weren't as good in in school, right? So you you dropped out of college a couple of times, but now you're, yeah. you're a professor and also teaching people uh, in the schooling system. It's, it's it's a kind of a yin and yang. So, I mean, I would love to just, just dive deeper into that kind of story. Yeah, so it's interesting. So, so I was a professor. I haven't been a professor for quite a while now, but I was for a while. Um, but yeah, dropped out of college three times. I actually did pretty well in school, you know, K through 12. I uh, did well in, in high school. But as I've got now, you know, I spent these last six years in the education uh, industry, I've really realized that I was just really good at playing the game of school when I was younger. I was very fortunate, came from a stable home and a good community with good teachers. Like I, I was going to be okay, right? I was, I had a, a much easier journey than a lot of people. So I was able to kind of play that game of school. Uh, when I look back now, I wouldn't change it because it got me where I am now. But yeah, college just didn't work. I've always wanted well, to create things and start things. So when you talk about basically play the game of school, right? I mean, because yeah. from people talking about it, uh, K through 12th or all that kind of stuff is more about remembering what's in the book, remembering and not actually coming up with your own ideas, right? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. So that's one of the things we're trying to change. Uh, okay. And there is a big shift happening in, in education. So yeah, you know, when I was in school and you probably remember when you were there too, like a lot of it was just, I got to, I got to memorize this. I got to be, be able to regurgitate it on the quiz and with the test. Right. And I was good at that. I was good at cramming the night before. Um, and I look back and I'm like, man, if everyone, if everyone would have actually like checked me for real, I probably could have done a lot better and, and just had a, a much different road. Uh, but I, you know, I come from, I'm the youngest of three brothers. Both my older brothers did well. My mom and dad were involved with the school and PTA. So like, if I got an A or B, it was kind of like, oh yeah, he's a Gargus. Like he's probably, he's, that makes sense. So they didn't think to go like, wait a minute, is he really getting A's and B's? Or, you know, I did just well enough where I could kind of hide. So I wasn't top of the top so that everyone knew my name, but I wasn't, you know, failing. So no one called home. You know, I played sports, captain of the soccer team, connect, you know, aid for the assist, uh, assistant principal. So I just had like a, a way of just making myself so I could just get through it and have fun, um, which don't get me wrong, wouldn't trade it, had a blast. <laughs> like it was, you know, I loved high school and stuff, but just I look back and I'm like, man, like not everyone has that, that setup that I did. And what could I have done? had I just been challenged more and actually had to truly learn. One of the things that we work with teachers on, so we we do a lot of professional developments. That's workshops, one-on-one -on -one coaching, a full implementation and consultation with either districts or buildings. And and uh, we have an online academy and stuff like that too. But one of the big things that we that we work with districts on and with school and teachers on is this shift from just completing work and sitting in a seat to actually understanding and mastering content. So it's no longer, did you do worksheet 2.2? It's, 
did you get what you were supposed to get out of worksheet 2.2? Cause I really don't care if you do that 50 times, if you didn't actually learn what the concept was, then it doesn't matter at that point. At the did same realm, if you learn what the concept is and you didn't even complete the whole worksheet, that's okay. As long as we got you to the learning. So it's, a, it's just a shift of focus of what teaching actually is. So transitioning the way that K through 12 goes, right. Uh, that you, mm -hmm. you actually understand it. Did you, did you feel that shift though in college? Is that kind of where the dropping out and, and not completing came from? I, I do. I, I think that was part of the reason. I don't think I was set up. A couple of things. One, I don't think I should have went to college. Um, I wasn't mature enough. I had too many other things that I wanted to do that weren't that weren't school. Like that just wasn't my desire. I wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to play in bands. I wanted to start things. I should have been, I should have went somewhere else. I should have went right into the workforce to get my hands dirty, to try a bunch of things to figure out what I want. Uh, but, you know, when I graduated, which, you know, I graduated high school back in 2001, like that, that's what you did. You worked in high school, you went to college. Like that was, you either went to the military or you went to college, right? Like that was what you were supposed to do. Um, where I think so many kids, like this idea that kids are supposed to be able to make life decisions of what the rest of their life is going to be at 17, 18 years old is ridiculous to me. Like go out, they should be going out and trying things. They should be getting, getting their hands on things and testing things. And I know a lot of 30, 35, 40 year olds who have no idea what their life is supposed to be yet. Right. So like, I think, you know, one of the things that I think why I'm where I am now and, and as, as happy as I am now and successful uh, is because I tr I've tried a lot of stuff. I went to, I went to school. I went to a couple of different schools, but I also, in the mix of all that, I started a whole bunch of businesses. I worked a whole bunch of jobs. I tried a lot of things. I was fortunate to have a lot of opportunities to have leadership and things of that nature. But I think for me, I should have, because when I got to college, I got checked. Yeah. Right. And, and I wasn't, I'm like, Oh, no, I got to actually like study and pay attention. That doesn't work for me. I don't like that. I wasn't prepared for it. So, I mean, talking about basically not learning it and some people aren't ready for school and need to travel, work, and then kind of understand it. It's, I mean, statistics are always made up just to, to be made up, right? Sure. And I remember there to be a, a number of that most people only remember 20% of what they, they learn, but that number oh, yeah. drastically goes up if they actually had to work like a job, it took some time off. Sure. To yeah. College, and then it goes up a drastic number, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean, the last time I went back to college, so the last time I dropped out of college, I actually left because business, like my business at the time was growing. But when I went back that last time, I was I was older. I had tried things. I had failed at things. I had tested things. I had found things that I liked. So I went to school for something I liked and I actually did really well and loved it. I was just, I was older. I had more responsibilities and the business that I had at the time was doing well and demanding my time. And I said, Hey, instead of not putting my enough attention on school, I'm just going to stop going this, you know, but I withdrew the right way and everything there, um, which was different than when I was younger where I just quit. Cause I'm like, I don't want to be here. And I hated it. Uh, and so I think, you know, when you have that opportunity to make it, and, and that goes all the way back into when you're thinking in middle school, high school and stuff, having it be able to connect the work that you're doing in the classroom to your life and to your potential life is, is so crucial. So that we can see and test and, and fig figure out what we want to do with our lives. So now this could be just jumping off into the, the whole different thing and making assumptions, which is never want to make an assumption. And I mean, dropping out of college twice, right. And still going back to it. Do you think there, I mean, why do you keep going back to college? Was it out of necessity that you felt you had to go back to college and get a degree or what was you had two older brothers that are doing a good in school? I mean, what happened there? Yeah, I mean, the first, I think when I when I first went back, it was because I thought that that was what I was supposed to do. I, you know, I wanted to make the parents proud. That's what I wanted to do. Like, 
that um, the last time I went back, it was because I, I didn't like the fact that I hadn't finished. And so it became more of this, I want to finish. Uh, and then I just got to the point there where I'm like, hey, it doesn't matter if I finish, if I don't need it to be happy. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I spending all this money going to school? And one of my biggest problems was I'm a big Google guy. Like, I'll figure... I, I'm a firm believer that one of the most important things we can teach anybody is how to Google stuff, whether it's Google or whatever your search engine preference is, how to go find information, how to figure out whether that's good information or not, and then how to utilize that. And I would be sitting in classrooms going, why am I here for 90 minutes when I just Googled everything you're about to tell me for 90 minutes? And I could be already working on this, already learning, already making mistakes and testing. Uh, and so I think that was the final job of me. And, and my parents also saying like, hey, don't go back for us. Like you don't have to do that. We don't care. Like we love you. Go be happy. That was sort of a release where I was like, okay, I know is what I'm supposed to do, but I, that was just something that I had put into myself. Um, not necessarily that they had put in. And so when I finally realized that I said, Hey, okay, I don't need to be there. I don't need to learn. It's not the right fit for me personally. And, and so I stepped away and I have no intention of going back now. Haven't for a while. So did, did you ever feel like a, a failure for dropping out? Yes. A lot. Um, there were, you know, years where I, so I, I, um, I spent a lot of my time when I was building things, you know, I typically always had a, a day job, some sort of job that was helping pay the bills while I was trying to start new things or explore new ideas. And I spent a lot of time working in, in restaurants and in, in fast food, quick service. Uh, and I'd be there when my high school buddies who were now working their careers with, you know, company cars and 401ks and all these things coming through the drive-through and I've got to, you know, go get them their extra cup of cheddar and stuff. And regardless of what they were thinking, whether they were judging me or not, I don't know. I, that was, that was tough for me. I had to really like sort of start keep reminding myself why I was doing the things I was doing, what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, I definitely felt, I mean, the, I mean, every, pretty much my entire career of college, I felt like a failure uh, that I, that I was supposed to be there and I just couldn't hack it. I didn't have it in me. Uh, and that was tough to get over for a while, for sure. What, what do you think? I mean, it sounds like it was the success that you were having with your businesses that allowed you to get over it. But is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think so. I think it was. Um, I think it was that plus uh, having some actual like real failures in business and and really going after things and and things falling apart and experiencing that, realizing that hey. I still want to go out and I still want to create something. I still want to start something. And why am I so worried about what someone else thinks or whatever, when I don't even know what they think. I don't know if they're judging me. This is all on me. And, uh, you know, it was several mentors in my life that helped me realize that it wasn't about a credential or having it on the wall. It was about finding something that made you happy, that, that gave you purpose, that gave you meaning. And, and I started pursuing that instead. So this is, this is uh, people listening right now. Um, this is something new. We started doing live feeds of this. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, we have a YouTube channel and we're having, and we have a live feed. So we get questions every once in a while. Uh, so this is, this is definitely new. Um, but Marissa Kelly, someone I had on the previous podcast a while back. Uh, so she throws out the question to Jeff, how do you combat fear even now a successful business owner? That's a good one. I mean, for me, um, everything with how I kind of fight the fear, cause I still have it, you know, we, we're doing pretty well. We're still a young company, six years old. There's always a chance like, you know, tomorrow's the last day, especially with the pandemic that directly hit our customers at schools and really affected things back in May. I told my co-founder to get his resume ready cause I wasn't sure we were going to survive. And luckily we have done actually pretty well. Uh, but my fear of not only 
that, but also making a mistake and being the one, you know, because I drive so much of the ship, like I can make a mistake that ruins everything. And, and this fear of looking back on past times that I've failed. But one of the things that I really do, Marissa, is uh, when I, one of my first big businesses that was really just a huge dream of mine that I made come true to an extent and then it fell apart was, was starting and running an independent record label uh, and had done decently well for a couple of years. It was growing. I ended up having an office with interns and people working for me and uh, bands touring around the country. And, you know, we were putting on 150 shows a year and people in the area and the band scene knew me, knew who I was. I was someone that could kind of help them get, you know, out of the local area and go up a little bit and stuff. And that fell apart. And I hit some serious depression, pushed everyone out of my life for a while. And eventually broke down into nothing one day and you know they the, the label was called ftf record so people called me jeff tf just because my little nickname around and i broke down i'm in the hallway like on you know on the ground like tears and my wife stopped and says you know what what's going on like what's what's wrong and i looked at it, i said if i'm not jeff tf who am i and she just kind of looked at me because this is how my wife is and she's like well you're jeff and i love you and she walked away <laughs> and she didn't realize but i kind of had this connection it's an interesting i had this connection if you've ever seen cool runnings with uh, uh from disney the uh yeah. jamaican bobsled there's a scene where the coach comes in and Doris, the driver wants to know why he cheated and he tells him he said you know gold medals an incredible thing but if you're not enough without it you'll never be enough with it and i kind of had this moment it took me years to really piece it together that i have this this thing where i'm like i had to be okay with myself with or without success, title, businesses, whatever it was. And if I was able to do that, then I'm able to look at it and go, well, okay, if it all falls apart, that sucks, but I'm enough without it. And so I really do think it's a lot of self-awareness of, of what are you actually afraid of? And, and what is it, does it actually have the impact that you're worried about? Are you really afraid of the failure, the mistakes you might have? Or are you really afraid of what some other people might think about you if you have that failure? And you got to get to that point for me and not that I have it every day. Some days it comes and goes, but I try to remind myself always, like if I'm not enough without wherever we're trying to go, then it's not going to matter when we get there anyway. So not sure if that helps Marissa, but that's where my mindset is on that. With, with that moment of depression, right? Was it an epiphany yeah. that came to you where it all uh, came to realization that you got to be strong with who you are? Or was it something over time you started giving yourself affirmations and kind of walking yourself through it? Yeah. What was the process like? It was it was definitely over time. So I tell that story about my wife, and I'd love to say that like the next day I got up and everything was fine, <laughs> but that's not the case, right? It took me a long time, but I always I don't know why that moment has stuck with me when I reflect back. Can't tell you what day it was or whatever. And I just I I, I think back through it, it definitely it took a lot of time. It took a lot of work of sharing, you know, because I had kind of like blocked, like not. I block people out in a sense of like, I just, I either put a smile on if I had to be around you or I just tried not to be around you. And so that way I didn't have to talk to anyone. And that went on for a good year or so. Um, and I was fine. I worked a job and things were whatever. Um, and, and it was a lot of coming back to people who I had sort of avoided and talking to them about it and explaining what was going on and having them talk to me about it. And fortunately for me, most of those people affirmed me being good enough for them. They don't care like what I was connected to or whatever. And a lot of self-reflection of why am I trying to do the things I'm doing? And a lot of why I beat myself up, up was because I had a, I had a, I had a reputation right there, right? I was that guy. I was with the label. It's what I thought I wanted to do because I loved music, but I realized what I really enjoyed about it the most was helping others chase their dreams. Like that was the thing that I loved about it. Um, I love the idea of seeing one of my bands have a, a great show and people going nuts and no one knowing who I was. 
Uh, and I realized that when I worked in the food industry, I loved the idea of helping a young kid have their first shot at being like, you know, a key manager and learning leadership skills. And that's transferred into just figuring out that, oh, like I, I want to help people, whatever that looks like. And now it's in the instance of I want to help teachers teach a little better to reach more students. I want to help them find their voice and raise their voice to share their value with other other people. I want to help the people on our team grow as individuals and as leaders and stuff. And so my focus has changed from I need a title, I need money, I need success to I just want to help people. I just want to have that feeling of of other people being happy because that's what makes me happy. So uh, it's a lot of self-reflection. I mean, it, it almost seems like when you get those like low moments, that like you're almost a conductor in a in a train and you use those memories of, that you help someone do X, Y, and Z. And that kind of gives you that extra oomph to the next level and the next level. I like that. Yeah, is that? I like that. yeah that's a good analogy. I like that. But it's true though, right? I mean, you, you kind of look back and say, okay, like, am I feeling bad today? But think about all the good we've done. Yeah. And I say that to Chad a lot. Chad, my co-founder, um, you know, from the very early on we do this, I always talk about like, don't ride the, don't ride the roller coaster of getting too high, too low, right? You locked in, you know, you locked in 10 sales appointments, but six of them canceled and you kind of go up and down the guys who, you know, if you still stick here, you're going to be okay. Don't get too high, too low. And I wish I could say I follow that. But sometimes when Chad and I realize we're like, oh, we're riding a roller coaster. I'm like, all right, let's think about all the good we've done. Yeah. And there's been multiple moments in the in our in our journey now where I've looked at him and I said, dude, if it all falls apart tomorrow, it doesn't even matter because we did that, whatever that might be. And so we really try to focus on that a lot because it's hard sometimes. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I love that. Now I'm going to say we need to throw another log in the. the <laughs> I like that. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's uh. So you're you're building this business. When did you know, um, get the idea of Teach Better? When did that come about? Uh, so actually, so so Chad, my co-founder, was was he was actually in a band that I managed. He was a drummer in a rock band, so that's where we met. And then after the label shut down, I coached soccer. He played soccer in college, so he started helping my goalies. And we became friends, right, outside of the business standpoint. But then he went off and became a teacher. He was a scientist, became a teacher. I went off and I actually started a, an online marketing firm. And then he created something that we now call the Grid Method, which. I kind of, I usually describe it as it's kind of like our Big Mac. It's what most people know us for. It's what started everything. Uh, so everything actually started as the grid method, the gridmethod.com. Like that was what it was. It was this, this thing that he created in his class, a new framework for how he taught that he started seeing a lot of success, success for and people started asking about. And so then he came to me about, uh, about doing an ebook. Uh, and I told him, dude, we're not just doing an ebook. We're doing more. And we started creating content, online courses and started sharing. Uh, and then it was when, when a few other people on our team and, and uh, one being Ray Hewer, who's now one of our owners and uh, she's like the director of everything. Let's call her the boss. Uh, she, you know, she came in and with each person, they brought more expertise, more passion, different ideas. And the grid method didn't make sense anymore. But since day one, Chad had always said, I never want to walk into a teacher's classroom and say, you're doing this wrong. You don't know how to teach. I know better. I just want to go in and say like, hey, this helped me teach better. Maybe it can help you. And so it just kind of became this thing. So uh, a little over two years ago, we did a, a brand uh, rollover and change everything over Teach Better. And um, it was, I mean, it was definitely the best decision we've made uh, for the company because it just fits in. It just makes sense. So, uh, so we started to come about six years ago. We made the brand change about two and a half years ago. So talking about, I mean, going into the, more of the, the nuts and bolts of it, when you, when you two came up with the idea of building this, building this brand, right mm -hmm. and help people out and then you said you there's other people kind of in your network were those people brought on as as hiring or were they given like a piece of stake in the, the company 
Uh, so yes, both <laughs> in a sense. Uh, so some people have come on, uh, Ray, Ray, Ray's the one who's come on has been with us for a while now. And she did get, she got, she has a piece of the, the business now, uh, because she came in early. She definitely, she earned it. And she just from day one, when we weren't paying her anything and then day, whatever, when we were paying a really little bit, she acted like an owner. She, she owned every piece of it. She, she saw the vision. Uh, she busted her butt for it. And uh, she's been with us now for like three and a half years, still a full-time teacher. Um, hopefully changing this year is the plan. Uh, Cause she's, she loves her classroom. She loves her kids. Uh, so that's going to be a hard transition for her, but she's been wild. So she does have ownership. So she's an owner now, the third, the third one. Uh, most other people on our team, yeah, are either just working for us because they want to be a part of it, or you know, you know, they're in a pay position. A lot, most start in a, most have started with us in a non-pay position, just wanting to be a part of something that we're doing, and then that builds our relationship with them. Most time, it's, it's someone that had been in our world a little bit either because they, you know, start connecting with us on social media or saw, you know, met us at a conference or whatever, and we build a relationship with them, and eventually it just made sense. They were already in like. Uh, engaging in so many ways and a part of stuff we started going to them for ideas and then eventually said hey you want to jump on and and kind of go from there so we have a incredible team of people who work way harder than they should for what we pay them so that's how i feel yeah the question i love every time i i have uh, a guest on here that has maybe a partnership with with someone with uh, another entrepreneur how do you mesh the the mindsets together how do you mesh the personalities together how do you uh, make sure that no one's stepping on someone else's toes. That's a really good question. And I, Chad, I consider us extremely lucky. So when we first started, I don't know why, but there was this, just this right off the bat, sort of just baseline trust that Chad and I had in each other. I trusted that he knew what the heck he was talking about when it came to education. And he trusted that I knew what I was talking about when it came to business. And so that really set us up well because he he like he didn't have an idea. He didn't think, oh, I'm going to take this and build it into something. He thought I'm going to make an ebook and share it because I'm getting stopped in the hallways. And and so it was this very cool switch of like, all right, well, you're the you're the education guy, you're the product service guy, and I'm going to help us market it. And we're both going to agree that we trust each other and we're going to move forward. Uh, so we've always really had a really strong uh, split, which made that actually very pretty easy in a lot of ways. Uh, not everyone's that lucky. Um, one thing that we did realize is that that's not a great system to have because if we're never, if I can't challenge him on, uh, you know, on his pedagogy and on how, what he does in his classroom, we're never going to grow. Right. So that's where these other, other folks came in and where Ray comes in and she brings a really cool division of both where she's got a really great, brilliant market in mind, but also an incredible teacher bringing in. Um, and I think the biggest thing that we have, what I always say is the reason we work really well together is because we have this disagreement it's just like a high five handshake agreement whatever you want to call it we have a, a bottom line a foundation of respect that no matter what i say about an idea you have or something you say you know that i respect you regardless so chad and i can literally get into i mean absolute like screaming matches like heated arguments where someone might actually want to break us up and then in a click we can go right back to everything's fine because we know no matter how heated i get about some silly topic or whatever I have an enormous amount of respect for him and that doesn't change. And that's not easy to do. Uh, it's much easier said than done, I think, but that's how we've been able to do it. We have a really cool chemistry that way. So, and we have, a, it's just an incredible amount of trust in each other that we're not only taking care of each other, but that we're always focused on the, the mission. So 
So if, if there is uh, maybe a disconnect or um, something that you both don't agree upon, is there a, a easy way of resolution that you guys do that maybe someone listening could emulate or? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is 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 taking a step back and really working to, to see it from the other side, which again is much easier said than done, especially when you're in the heat of the moment. Um, we're fortunate that we have other people on the team. So like Ray, for example, if Ray and I are, are battling, we can't find that ground, Chad can come in and help be, I don't want to say like the tiebreaker, but more like a mediator, right? And same thing with, you know, if Chad and I are just not connecting, like so often when you disagree, disagree or, or you disconnect on things, a lot of times it's just a like there's poor communication somewhere. Right. Uh, unless it's just a fundamental, like we don't have the same mindset, which is a whole nother conversation. You have to have a really uh, a transparent conversation about whether it makes sense anymore. Most time with us, it's a, there's a, there's a miscommunication there because someone used the wrong word or was thinking of the same, the wrong thing. And just having that outside voice say like, all right, hold on, both of you say your piece and let me see if I understand it. And maybe we can talk through this together. So it's really mediation. So having that other team helps. But, you know, I, I will say, you know, Chad, and I really do have just that that good relationship. But it, it comes back to there's respect there, there's trust there, and there's transparency. We don't, like, I don't not tell him anything. Like, there's, you know what I mean? There's no, like, hidden parts of my agenda in the business versus versus his. Um, and, um, yeah. So, I mean, sometimes we get over it easier than other times. But If you could go back and, and talk to your younger self, that person that just graduated high school, what kind of advice do you think you would you give him? I, you know, I, I, I think about this every now and then. Cause I, you know, like when I was talking earlier about, oh, I wish it would have been challenged differently and I would have done things, but I'm like, if I would have, I probably would have, I'd be in an office cubicle somewhere right now yeah. working. Cause that's what I would have done. Um, I think what I, what I'd love to say to that, that kid is all those things, all those crazy ideas you got, just go for them, dude. Like just so that maybe I'd shut off some of those days where I, felt like a failure where I beat myself up where I, you know, I didn't chase harder, you know, when I could have, because I think the big thing with kids is you got to get out and try stuff. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Uh, you may know exactly where you want to go and that's fine. But I think too many kids get stuck on where they want to go and then they get into, you know, 21, 22 and they realize, Oh, I don't want to do that at all. But they feel like they're locked in. And now they're like, Oh, I went to school and I was this, I'm going to be an accountant. So I guess I'm going to be miserable for the rest of my life. It's like, no, like, so I think honestly, going back to that, the biggest thing I'd say to that kid is, Hey, you're young. You're super young. You got lots of time. I'd say that again to myself at 30 years. Um, now I probably wouldn't cause I'm getting older, but that's not the point. Um, but I think it's, I think it's important to know, like you can change, you can change your mind and that's okay. Like that just means you're aware of, your, of yourself and you can adjust it. So. Well, talking about talking to your younger self, talking about talking about yourself in twenties, thirties, what about, if we're talking to you in two years from now, three years from now, where is the company going to be from now? <laughs> well, I mean, hopefully. So one of my goals and one of the things that I keep telling the, the team is that I really want to be in, I say every, probably not every, but I want to be in more aspects of the education industry. So, you know, right now, you know, our primary function is that we provide PD, professional development training. We have an online course. Um, and, and we just launched, we do, we do some speaking or I'm sorry, we do some coaching, uh, and we do have a speakers network where we represent, uh, speakers, uh, and we have a podcast network. So those are both sort of very like record labeled ish in a, in a way, which is kind of reaching back to my roots and we've got our own podcast and stuff, but I'd love for us to get into the tech and to add tech in some way or another, um, most likely investing in 
in partnering with. I don't think I want to manage the tech in any way, shape or form, but um, definitely want to be on tech. I, we do have, we've talked about, and I do see us in the five, 10 years down the road, possibly having an academy of our own uh, where folks can come in and, and, and watch our teachers teach, and which is not a new concept. There's an amazing one down in Georgia called the Ron Clark Academy where they do that. And a lot of educators go there and get great ideas. And we just think we could do something like that while also serving an underserved community with that academy. Um, and, and I want to be global. So we have teachers all over the world that utilize things like the grid method. But our partner schools that we work with on a day-to-day basis are in the United States. I'd, I'd like to be um, more international. If it's... Even if it's just up into Canada, that would be enough for me. Um, but I definitely want to grow it that way. So, well, being that the, the the school systems, and I believe talking to different people in other other countries, just how how they're raised, and when you got to pick basically um, what you're majoring in and things like that, how would your company have to transition to to work in other uh, countries? Um, you know. Not really. I mean, some we, we would definitely obviously need to be have a better understanding of the logistics that they that they that they work with, uh, the way their their assessment and grading works to understand that. But one of the nice things about the grid method and what we being our primary thing that we focus on, we do a lot of other stuff. But that being sort of our bread and butter is that it's very flexible and it works with any type of curriculum, any type of grade level. Um, we have teachers running it from first grade all the way through twelve and into college, um, and. So I think I'm very confident that can work and help in any any type of setting. I think the biggest thing we'd have to overcome there is understanding those types of things, like how uh, not only the the schools themselves, but how society views education differently. And some of those things, with yeah, like you said, in some countries, you know, you're choosing your path very young, and that's it, right? And that uh, it's those types of things, and understanding, uh, you know, what it really comes to, I think, our biggest barrier uh, barrier would be language. So that we're saying not not just like the actual language spoken, but the the words used, the the way they phrase things, and what they refer to different parts of uh, of their education system, what those things mean to them. Um, but I'm excited about the opportunity to to get there and and fall on our face a bunch and figure it out. So we'll see what right. happens. So we're gonna try something new. I haven't done this before. You're gonna be the first one. I think I'm gonna. Wow. This goes well. right. We're gonna we're gonna try this with future ones. Let's get your 20 second elevator pitch about basically your company sure yep you want right now Uh, right now already yeah so we we help educators teach better by creating innovative ideas and resources to help support them so that they can support their students to chase after their dreams oh how to do are you all right i I think that was really good yeah i mean the elevator was 20 seconds one So um, I do. Let me let me ask you. Um, so you have your elevator pitch, and I, lo- I always like that. I also have what I call the conference scream or the conference uh-huh. yell. So this is before COVID, but like when you're at a conference and you're like, you know, you're networking, you're talking to someone, and then like the time is like, oh, we got to get to our sessions. You got to get to the room you're going on. When you're like walking away, what's that line where you turn around and, and you got some, you know, guy you're talking to says, "Wait a minute, what do you do?" And you turn around, like that's what I've been working on too is like with the team. I'm like, all right, so you got to have that. So when you go around, because you were talking about the weather or whatever, and that guy or gal says, so what do you do? You go, I help teachers teach better. And then you run. Cause I'm like, they got to ask follow up on that. Cause how the heck do you do that? So I like yeah, my exactly. conference. Right there. Yeah, <laughs> well, if someone's looking to get more information, uh, if they're a teacher, uh, I mean, maybe they're a parent or something like that, that, I mean, they want help with their child. I mean, what's the best platform for them to find you, uh, find your company. 
Sure. Uh, so the company I'm in, the best place to go, honestly, is teachbetter.com, which I make that easy. Uh, but on all social media, we're at teachbetterteam. Uh, and I'm at Jeff Gargas, G-A-R-G-A-S. Um, best platform for me personally is Twitter. That's my go-to. Uh, it's typically where I'm going to be. And like I said, the team's the at Teach Better team on all that place too. So, Well, thank you, Jeff, for on the podcast. Uh, thank you. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.